bogus listeners thank you so much for tuning in to the second part episode of the forever bogus podcast and it's me your bogus host that knows the most b-boy bogus bryce staring at the beautiful face of your favorite rapper from the middle school lunch table jado oh i could not ask for a better intro frankly too much <laughs> man that was wonderful i'm sorry i'll dial it back just a little no bit. no i hey man i i'm not a modest guy bring it in you know okay okay and you know what else is not modest is over-the-top 80s and 90s filmmaking. <laughs> You're so right. So if you listen to our last episode, we had our buddy Matt Jacobson on to talk about Tammy and the T-Rex along with a bunch of other movies. So we needed to make a separate episode, a part two, if you will, uh, talking about his time working on other films, being on other sets, the films he's made, the films he's making, the stuff he likes, his influences, the people he's worked with. I mean, he goes into Jim Wynorski. He goes into Fred Olin Ray, wonderful filmmakers responsible for all these great, bizarre films that you know and love. That we've talked about on the podcast. I mean, we we had to break this up into his other section. Right. I think I said it before. I don't don't know if I did or not, but... uh, it's like having Hulk Hogan come on and we only talk to him about Suburban Commando, you know. Right, there is so much right. to this guy. He's the backbone of a film set and he got to do a whole lot of interesting things and it was just an insult to only have him talk about a T-Rex. So <laughs> let's get into it, man. Filmmaking with Matt Jacobson, part two. All right. So here with us today on the Forever Bogus podcast is a cinematographer, a director and film instructor, Matt Jacobson. Hey, Matt, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. Matt has a great career uh, on film. He's also a professor. He, he teaches film. And I'm looking at him now, and he's got a, a board behind him with, with all this kind of you know complex stuff about filmmaking and F-stops and all this. Well, uh, I, I, always, I always kind of wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, I, I was, I've been making films with my friends you know, in junior high school and high school, um, using using the cutting edge equipment that the school had. It was this thing. It was called a VHS camcorder. Yes, a camera that had a recorder on it. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I did that. And then uh, I I did my undergraduate. Uh, I got my undergraduate degree at uh, California State University at Los Angeles in East La- East LA, uh, and that was a. Uh, uh, that was a degree in, again, in, in video and film production. Uh, and then uh, after that, I went to USC. Uh, I got into the film school there, and I did uh, four years uh, in grad school, came out with an MFA, okay. um, Master of Fine Arts degree, uh, and a real desire to work as a cinematographer. But if you're going to work as a cinematographer, you don't just come out of school and become a cinematographer. No, I wish. We do. Film school or film sets are are very uh, they're based around a hierarchy of you know you have to work in this job for a while and then you get enough uh, experience and you get to know enough people so that they trust you to move up to this job and then you have to move up to this job and you know and and it's a process so mm-hmm. you know I, I worked on a lot of low budget movies and a lot of music videos and a lot of 
commercials and a lot of really weird shoots that are just, you know, thankfully most of them have disappeared off the face of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or they never got released. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I paid my dues. I paid my dues. I, I went in and I worked as, a, you know, the first film that I worked on out of USC uh, was a film called uh, Public Access. It was the very first film directed by Brian Singer. Mm. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Yeah. First, first film directed by Brian Singer, who did who his second film was The Usual Suspects. You may mm-hmm. have heard of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, did all the X-Men films. He's currently um he's currently uh how how shall we put this? Persona yeah. Grata in Hollywood. Yes, there you go. Um and you know, after working with him on um on, on public access, I I I have no comment. Because that was, yeah. I learned a great deal film. I, I learned bet. a great deal on that film. I learned how to be an electrician. I learned that that was really what I wanted to work on. Um, you know, I learned how to uh, run a generator. I learned how to run electric. I learned I learned how to how to fix lamps. How to how to uh, globe a twelve k HMI. You know, all of these things that really stood good stead. And I also met a lot of people. I met I met people who got me my next few jobs because that's the thing about this industry. That's how you get jobs. You get a job by learning how to do the job and simultaneously meeting people who will then think of you the next time that a job comes up. And, mm. and that's the idea is you want to get in this rolling kind of process where you work with a crew and at the end of one shoot, the crew gets hired for another shoot and then mm. another shoot. And you start to learn each other's patterns. You learn how each other, you know, you, you learn how people work together. And, and eventually, you know, somebody, you know, the, the person who's at the top of the group, they move up a position. And that means that everybody else moves up a position. Mm. So that's that's kind of what happened uh, with Tammy and the T-Rex. I had, I had worked as an electrician um, or, or an electric somebody who was setting up lights and running cables and, you know, really, really kind of carrying out the, the commands of the gaffer, the, the chief electrician. Uh, and then the, the assistant to the, the gaffer would be the best boy. Um, okay. Uh, who would be the person who would be, you know, kind of, you know, going out and making sure that everything was working correctly. And then the electrics all work under them. Well, I had worked as an electrician and as a best boy on a couple of shows uh, with the key grip uh, on Tammy and the T-Rex, uh, Scotty Cal Jensen. Okay. And Scott Jensen, uh, oh, I love Scott Jensen. He, he's the, uh, he is the, he was a wonderful key grip. Key grips are the salt of the earth. They are people who lift heavy objects um, and they're, they're, they're the ones who set up the stands and the, the flags and the overheads. And they, they set up the dolly track and make sure that the dollies run uh, correctly. And they'll, they, they'll they sound like the heart their, of the shoot. Well, yeah, it's, it's funny because they're, they're, they're integral to that, that whole relationship between the electrics and the grips. But okay. the electrics are the ones who, who do all the heavy lifting and they do all the knot tying and they do all the rope casting. And they, they're, they're the ones who will put up the, the lighting frame and you know they'll they'll do all of the all of the heavy work and then the electricians come in and they hang the lights and then the grips will come in and they'll adjust the the things that adjust the lighting uh you know lighting adjustment devices and you can't have one without the other and if both of them are working together in sync then you've got a really smoothly running film set that's, okay. that's what you want 
Um, I've got movies that I worked on that are, are you know, they, they weren't made. They were committed like a crime. I don't even like talking about. Um, although there, there, there are some fun aspects to them, too. But, you know, when you talk to somebody and they, they look at your IMDb page and they say, you, you, you worked on, on a bikini drive-in? gotta pay that electric bill man right well and bikini drive-in was kind of fun i mean look it was a successful franchise they did they did bikini uh bikini car wash bikini drive-in uh bikini hoedown uh bikini drive-in two i mean i have a whole i have a whole book outlining 80s coming of age teen sex films and uh yeah, man, legendary stuff there with uh, Bikini Drive-In. Oh man, <laughs> no, no love lost there. Right. Well, well, yeah, working working with Fred Olin Ray was was fun. It was it was a trip. Yeah. I mean, to, to give you an idea, we had a uh, on Bikini Drive-In. Um, we were working the night of the big earthquake in '92. Mm. Um, oh, we we had just finished. We were finishing up our third day on the set at the drive-in. And it was like 4.30 in the morning. And all of a sudden, the 6.1 earthquake hits that was like, you know, the epicenter was 10 miles from where we were. Wow. And if you're going to have if you're going to have an earthquake on the set, you want to be in the middle of a drive in because nothing can fall on you. That's true. Right. Actually, yeah. was far enough away, everything else. So we just kind of rocked and watched all of the all of the transformers blowing up on every point of the horizon. <laughs> um, but, but the thing that really let me know that we were on a low budget set was about 10 minutes after you know after everyone had been able to call home those who where the phone lines were still working and say and make sure that everybody was okay the ad said okay we got about two hours before the sun comes up let's get back to work (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah we did we we finished out the day we actually had to move the generator in closer because we were supposed to shoot some interiors and uh, the power was out, so we ended up just running electrical in, and that was what I was working with was an electrician. So, do, yeah. do you ever wonder if maybe you're the cause of all these natural disasters? <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, have fire, you have geez. an earthquake. Like, what's going on with that? No, that's just Los Angeles. That's <laughs> okay, just yeah, fair that's enough. That's fair enough. <laughs> so, to, this is this might be a, a dumb question, but when the earthquake happened, did that blow out all your electricity on the shoot? No, no, because we were we we had a generator, uh, we had a generator truck with a ninety foot articulated arm with two twelve Ks that was getting uh, most of our light, and then we we had electric running from that that was running our smaller lights. We had just gotten through shooting the car dance sequence, Mm. Um, and and it was funny because the first the first sign that anything was going on was this eruption of pigeons, like a hundred pigeons flew out of the supports for the, the, the screen. And then all of a sudden the earthquake started and somebody yelled to the cameraman, roll camera, roll camera. <laughs> but the, the camera had the hundred millimeter lens up. So it was like this little tiny, you know, very, very, very tight shot. It just looked like it was shaking. That's so it, funny. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's not an official film term, but uh, it's been popularized in independent film. It's called shooting the rodeo which is essentially for um, making the film seem bigger and grander. 
you could shoot something that's happening. You know, they, like, legendarily, a, a B-movie film was shooting and there was a rodeo. So they shot the rodeo. Oh, they, oh wow, look, like there's a rodeo in our film. You know, I'm surprised you guys didn't shoot the earthquake. I think I think most of us were just kind of scared out of our wits. I bet. Um, it's, 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 you know, earthqu- earthquakes aren't, earthquakes of that size aren't a usual thing. And and it was something where we really kind of got the fact that yeah this was going to be a big thing and and you know people oh, there were a lot of people that died on this one I mean this was the one oh, where yikes, there, yeah. there was an overpass on the ten that just collapsed yikes, and that's yeah. up traffic for years um, you know but that it was it was it was such a big thing that I, I mean I'm sure that somebody went around and shot all of the damage afterwards. Yeah. And famously, there's a lot of footage of that in things like Independence Day. You know, there, oh, there's actually yeah, yeah. Some, some of the wreckage that's there is actually wreckage from the earthquake. Oh, no kidding. Um, so, so um, you know, after after L.A. gets gets blown away. That's um, shooting, the, shooting the rodeo, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's the thing. And, and, and there is actually, if, if you look at the end credits of Bikini Drive-In, it says shot during the Northridge earthquake. Uh, it actually has, has a little credit there. It's a little- I, I, I looked into all of your work before we uh, earlier before we spoke, and I forgot that that was uh, Fred Olin Ray, man. That's a, that is a genuine B-movie icon. Fred Olin Ray, I, I, one of my favorite lines about Fred Olin Ray was, again, a, a, um, it was, again, a Scotty Cal Jensen line. Uh, he said, Fred Olin Ray is an idiot savant filmmaker, <laughs> but at least he's a savant. Yeah. <laughs> because most directors are idiots. <laughs> you know, that, but he, I mean, you look at the, the sheer number of films that he's made. I mean, the first, the first film I ever did as a cinematographer was actually a Fred Olin Ray film. And I've, I've forgotten the name of it because it changed so much over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, uh, it was a film where he, he, he was shooting a, um, oh gosh, what was it? It was, the way that it was explained to me, uh, I got to come in and shoot additional footage to help him finish one of the films that he was doing as one of his infamous, you know, USA Up All Night movies. Okay. Um, he had been filming a film in, um, had been filming a film in New Orleans, um, and he had scheduled two weeks with the actors. And he, <laughs> if if I say this, you'll understand, you know, what I'm talking about, Fred Olin Ray. He finished five days early, five days oh, early. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, and so the entire crew was like, oh, this is great. This is wonderful. Five days free in, in New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah. And Fred Olin Ray said, not so fast. And he went home to his, his hotel room that night and he wrote a screenplay. Wow. <laughs> and in one the, night? In one night. Well, wow. it's funny because what he did was he wrote a screenplay that where he said, I can know that I can shoot all of this footage in four days. And this is the stuff that we that, that we need to tell the story. And I know that I've got these 70 or 80 other films that I've worked on. So I know the stunts and I know the, the stock footage and I know everything that I've got. And I know that if I take and I mash together the stuff that I shot in four days with those stunts, I'm going to need about 10% of the film. I'm going to need to get close-ups of the actors reacting to stuff. I'm going to need to get an actor walking into a room or an actor driving. Yeah. And, and that's what I got hired to shoot. 
Okay. This was that last 10%. <laughs> yeah, so, so he, ba- Fred Olin Ray basically said, all right, we finished the film. So let me see what I could throw together. Why I've got all these people around still. And we'll make Smart. another movie. I'm paying you. Yeah, it's true. That is some Roger Corman penny pinching. Right. That is, that is good. I have a better story. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to decide if I should tell this story. <laughs> should I tell this story? Mulholland Drive. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I found out one of, one of the reasons that I got hired to shoot these pickups was because the car that I was driving at the time was a red Ford Escort. And it matched the picture car that they used in New Orleans. So they said, okay, well, what we want to do is we one of the scenes that we had to shoot was the scene where the lead actor or lead actress was supposed to be listening to a audio cassette that she had just stolen from the house of a man that she had been sent to kill. Okay. And so she was listening to the audio cassette and um, she discovers while she's listening to the audio cassette that the man that she just killed is her father. <laughs> her long lost father and it's, it's kind of a it's kind of a it's kind of a la femme nikita oh yeah southern comfort kind of movie okay so it's it's yeah so they said okay well what we need to do is we need to get a shot of uh this actress and she needs to be listening to um this tape as she's driving and um she needs to react she needs to cry because she's just discovered that she's just killed her father. She didn't realize he was her father until she stole the tape and realized that this was her father. And right. your father's saying, I forgive you for killing me. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So we get up to Mulholland Drive because they decide they're going to shoot on Mulholland Drive on a Saturday, which, you know, I don't know if you know anything about Mulholland Drive. It's, it's this long, curvy road and it's got beautiful trees and it, it runs pretty much east-west-ish. So you've got consistent backlight coming in from one angle. And so I think this is great. So I've got my friend, uh, Ted, who is my camera assistant on the shoot. You know, he's, he's there. And I've got my little handheld, hand-wound Bolex that I'm shooting everything with because we're doing this all on 16 because it's cheap. And, um, you know, I'm having to, I'm having to wind the camera every like 24 seconds and get the shot. (laughs) You know, everything's working well. And uh, we, we get there and the, uh, uh, the actor who, uh, the actress, who's also a, um, who is also one of the producers of the film, which is how they, they managed to keep her from running away and actually got her to sit out the last four, four days. They, they made her a producer. (laughs) um, She gets there and she says, okay, well, she was supposed to be wearing like an army fatigue cutoff kind of shirt. Okay. And they didn't have that. They, 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 for some reason, they didn't have that for the costume. The best that they were able to get was this kind of, like army fatigue green kind of dicky. It was like a scarf that just kind of draped around her neck and they, they kind of arranged it and hoped that nobody would notice that the costume was completely different. <laughs> um, that's fine. So, so she gets in there and she adjusts it and she does all of this. And um, so, you know, we're, we're, we get into the car and she's got a little um, menthol blower. It's a little thing that you, you blow menthol and, and you can blow it into your eyes and it mm. makes you tear up. Oh, well, she she says, well, the problem with it is, though, is that she can't wear her contacts if she's mm. doing them. 
So she's not wearing her glasses. Oh my God. She's driving. She's driving on the <laughs> road. And, and, and she gets into the car and she looks down and she says, this is stick. And I said, yeah, this is stick. She says, I, I don't know how to drive stick. And I said, okay, let me think about this. So I've, I've removed the passenger side seat. I'm kind of wedged in under, <laughs> under the, the, the glove box with my camera. And I've got this angle. And I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to, you know, when I yell clutch, you're going to push in on the clutch and I'm going to shift gears. And I have to try and figure out how to do this backwards while I'm operating. Oh <laughs> so, um, so we're getting this shot. And, and, and so we, uh, we finally get everything worked out. And we practice a little while in this little, this little turnout parking lot so that we can get this done. And we'll get this all worked out. And so I'm, um, you know, I'm set here and, and we got this shot and we take off and we're driving and, and she's, she's driving by Braille, you know, which you can do in LA because they've got those bots dots. They tell you where, where the lanes are, but I'm listening to her. She's kind of like weaving down this road. And every so often I'm hearing the engine get to a point where I go, okay, clutch. And I'm having a shift. Everything. And we do our first take and and she's she's good. She's good. She's really she's emoting well. She's got tears running down her face. Um, but about halfway through the take, she's she's wearing this white polo shirt. And about halfway through the take, her collar sticks up through it mm. on the on the side that's facing me. And we get to the other end, and it's just you know the three of us in the car. And we get to the other end of the the parking lot. We're going to turn around. And she said, well, how was that? And I said, well, your collar's sticking up. You know, we see it. And she thinks for a second and she says, fuck it. Takes the collar off or, or takes the thing off from around her neck, takes her shirt off. <laughs> she's topless. Drapes the green thing around her neck and says, let's go. Dedication. <laughs> so I'm driving with this woman with this green scarf around her neck. And I'm wedged in underneath the, the glove box and I'm winding the camera and I'm changing gears. Changing gears, <laughs> going clutch, changing gears. And my camera assistant is sitting in the back seat, like, I don't believe this is happening. He's just got this shocked look on his face. It's like, oh, okay. And to make it even better, this busload of Japanese tourists pulls up oh. next to us and I can see them taking pictures of this topless actress with a green scarf around her neck and a guy wedged in behind the, the, the glove box with the camera. Movie magic. USA, <laughs> USA, right, USA. Right. But we got the shot. That's all that matters. Yeah. That's all that matters. We didn't crash the car. We didn't kill anybody. We got the shot. And, and Hell yeah. it, it's, yeah, like I said, I, I can't remember the name of it because it's one of those instantly forgettable, you know, um, 1990s uh, erotic thriller names. Uh -huh. Oh, I, it was, was it released or was it one of those ones that never, never made it to release? Cause I, I will find that. Yes. I think it was released. I, okay. I know, I hunt that. know yeah. what the title is. It's like sudden, sudden impact or sudden descent or okay. good name. 
they okay. look all great awesome. names. <laughs> yeah. And I've never seen it. And I've never figured out how to get a copy of it. Oh, but, but maybe it's for the best. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, like I said, maybe, maybe, you know, that's, uh, maybe I'm happier that way. <laughs> With that in mind, all these films that you've worked on, I mean, a ring of steel, uh, you know, <laughs> as he rolls his eyes. <laughs> how often, uh, if ever, do you find yourself revisiting the films that you've worked on? I mean, how much? How often do you sit down and watch it? Do you do you own the the, the remastered Blu-ray of Tammy? I I don't own the remastered Blu-ray. I we gotta did, get him a copy. Uh, can... I did watch it when it was on cable uh, mm -hmm. again, and and you know just just to watch it again and, and go, oh yeah, I remember that. We did that. That was good. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's funny. A lot of the movies that I worked on, I I very rarely rewatch. Just, just because a lot of them were really, really bad um, <laughs> from, from the 90s. I should but say that's... The 90s. Actually, I, I do rewatch a lot of the films that I've done with Kevin Wilmot since like 2000. Okay. Um, but there, there are, there are uh, you know, there's not a lot to say, not a lot of good things to say about a lot of the films that I worked on. They were exploitation films. They were really made for a very specific reason. Uh, you know, specific to, audience. Yeah, yeah, you're right talking, here. You're looking at us right now. <laughs> I'm not denigrating any any of my odd any of the audience that love these movies, but I'm just saying that they had their time, they had their purpose, sure. and you know they're they're an artifact of that time. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, there there's you know there there are a million little stories that I could tell about every movie that I've worked on. You know, I bet. Uh, the time the time I got a kiss from Sandal Bergman on the cheek because I, I was able to hotwire her uh, dressing room at six o'clock in the morning to get her heater on. Man. <laughs> Things like that. That 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 was that that oh man, I that's oh I, that, <laughs> is your wife out of the room? Be in trouble, man. <laughs> lived off of that one for a week. It was like, oh, I bet, <laughs> I bet. And I, I got a chance to work with some great people that I knew from back at USC, and meet a new, meet a couple of new people that they recommended, and you know, work with people that I, I then worked on for for movies for the next few years. Wow! So you, yeah, was, you made a lot of great connections. It sounds like it, it, I, I did, and it and it's and it's really too bad that unfortunately, you know, it, it, I, I had a uh, I had a full time. It was a, a permalancer position with an ad agency that actually paid much better than this film did. So what I ended up doing was I, I came off of this film and I went back to work for an ad agency for, for a few months. Uh, but the nice thing about being a permalancer, um, you know the term permalancer? Mm -mm. It's, it's like being a freelancer, but every time you finish a job, they say, well, we got another job coming up in about a week or so. So here's some make work that we can give you for the week in between, just so we can keep you between. It's kind of like being hired by a company, but not having them pay your health or insurance or anything else. Yeah. I gotcha. Well, Matt, I think you're right. You have a million stories you can definitely tell because I think we've only touched like the tip of the iceberg so far. I think we should definitely have you on the show sometime soon because you've also worked on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I, yes. was, I was part of the uh, miniatures unit for that. Uh, we, I was a miniatures electrician. Wow. We worked on, on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And uh, then after that job finished, uh, I got a job working as, a, uh, as the miniatures unit gaffer on uh, Ed Wood. That's fantastic. So there was this whole there was this whole period of my life when you know it looked like I was kind of heading into this very kind of niche 
uh, job where mm-hmm. we're, you're working as a working as a miniatures electrician or a miniatures gaffer. Um, but it still sounds like you found success. Like even after yeah. Tammy, even after you know becoming a teacher and stuff, you're still finding success and you're still doing what you're passionate about. And that's that's yeah. amazing. And that and that's the thing is that you know a lot of my friends in LA they all told me that I was committing career suicide coming to Kansas, that, that I was turning my back on what could be a, an incredibly lucrative career working in the film industry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in some ways I probably did, uh, you know, it, it would have been nice, you know, getting a job as a, as, as somebody heading up a miniatures lighting unit or something else. But, you know, if I, if I'd known that this kind of success awaited me in Kansas, I would have committed career suicide years before I did. Right. Because, you know, that's, that's the thing is that, you know, we came, I, I, you can, you can be creative now, wherever you are. That's one of the great lessons of, of the digital age. Yes. That, you know, you, you don't have to be in Los Angeles or New York or even Atlanta anymore to make mm-hmm. movies. You can make movies wherever you want. And, yeah. and some of them are, are, heartbreaking and some of them are wonderful and some of them are exploitation films right, you know, right. i've got a student a uh, former student of mine patrick ray who is making kick-ass um horror films really in, in the city yeah uh well yeah his latest one i am lisa about oh, the, oh yeah, boy, yeah. yes somebody yeah, and, and this is this is one of my one of my former students from the two thousands who's now making these great films here in Kansas City. There's there's this team of filmmakers that are doing these great films here, mm-hmm. and I, I love that. And, I, and I, I like to think that maybe you know one of the things that I was able to do, that Kevin and I were able to do, in making our movies here was to inspire other people to do the same thing. And it sounds like you've done that. And that, that's amazing. Well, Matt, thank you for spending this evening with us, man. It's It's been a pleasure to talk to you. This has been fun. I, I love this. I, I uh, yeah, if, if oh, I don't know, I've, I've given, I've given out most of the really good stories, but you know, <laughs> if you ever want to hear anything about like making movies with Kevin Wilmot or probably dig up, dig up a few more, I could probably even find out the name of that one film with Fred Olin Ray. Yes, please, <laughs> please do that. That would be amazing. Yeah. Well, uh, do you know if like, maybe you have like a YouTube channel or something where people can go check out your latest work? Well, like I said, if you want to, if you want to get a real sense of the work that I do, my IMDb page, um, I'm Matt Jacobson. Um, I did, there are a couple of Matt Jacobsons that work in the industry though, which is really interesting. Hmm. So when you go to IMDb, I'm, I'm not the grip that's working in the Pacific Northwest and I'm not the guy who did the costume design for Flipper. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. So you know, we can look it up there. So yeah, definitely pick up Tammy and the T-Rex. I believe it's streaming on Amazon along with Shudder. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs did a, a great little uh, introduction for that on Shutter, so definitely check that out. Well, Matt, thank you for spending this evening with us, man. It's It's been a pleasure to talk to you. This has been fun. Well, there you have it, bogus listeners. Two full episodes with our buddy Matt Jacobson. J-Dog, I think I think we have to have him back on the show. Yeah, this he's the kind of guy that, uh, you know, a two-hour podcast you know, broken up into two parts. It's just, it's not going to cover it. This guy has seen and done no. so much, shaken so many hands, been in the right places at the wrong time, right places <laughs> in the right time, you know? Yes. Uh, yeah. Wonderful filmmaker, wonderfully smart guy. And we were so happy to have him on the show. Hopefully we can have him back willing to talk to that guy about 
just about anything. He has a lot of good stories. Um, I agree. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yes. So uh, if you did enjoy this episode, please feel free to share us with all your other family members or friends that love nostalgic content or just weird movies like Tammy and the T-Rex. And you better rate and subscribe and like this episode or so help me God, I'm turning this car around. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) Like the episode. Write a review. We are on the last leg of the season, believe it or not. We are getting ready to step into the dungeon of our Half Halloween podcast. And honestly, I cannot wait to start celebrating Halloween. Yeah, my favorite time of the year when it's 95 degrees out and Bryce makes me talk about pumpkins. (laughs) You love it. Jesus Christ. You love it. (laughs) Oh, my God. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for that. But until then, always remember to be kind. Rewind. And we'll all stay bogus. Yes. Hey, it's me. It's, uh... Uh, I was the uh, second star of uh, Jurassic Park. Who's that? Sam? Sam, uh, is that you? No. Oh, you're, it's no, Jeff. Uh, Hi, Jeff. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum here. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking about uh, uh, movies and filmmaking. Uh, have you seen Have you seen Tammy and the T-Rex yet? Oh, 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 oh. Is that a uh, 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 dinosaur movie of some kind? Yeah. Yes, I know yes. something I, about. Uh, 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 let me think. Uh, 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 dinosaur movies. Uh, and when I worked on a, I think it's just a wonderful uh, thing, and I'm just so happy to be here about it. Jeff Colblum. <laughs> <coughs> okay, get out of here, Jeff. And remember, and remember, and remember. Uh-huh. See, we had a, we had a, 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 dinosaurs. Uh, as far as the eye can see. Uh, I know many of them. So uh, the point. Uh, it's, it's really it's it's one of those things that uh, you can uh, leave. Uh, uh, you, you got paid. You can just you can just leave if you want. Any more questions for for me? Uh, 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 uh. No, Jeff. I I think we're good. You, you can you can head out now. Okay, gonna go make a movie now. <laughs> See you later. I'm gonna I'm gonna play piano. See you later. Jeff Goldblum, go out. God damn it. <laughs>